0: Richard Fieldhouse
1: and I'm Sarah Chambers
0: and we're talking today about information sharing pra- information sharing at a, at a practice level and how our experience of uh, working as two locums across about 100 different GP practices over the last decade or two have come across so many situations where it's been presumed that we know what everybody else knows that we've almost been as familiar with this practice as the partners are so those those dozens if not hundreds of bits of very practice specific information are just automatically inherited as we walk in through the door and of course they're not there's a there's a sort of almost a historical background to this whereas um, um history is presumed that that we that, that we don't need to write stuff down that um um sorry you were telling me how the celts were written out of history by the romans because the Celts didn't write anything down and it's almost a danger that we face as general practice is with this incredible working to scale now, whereas in a practice you would have staff, a few staff. Nowadays there are so many different staff, we've got advanced nurse practitioners, we've got so many more locums than there used to be. A, 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 a practice now could have several dozen more staff than it used to have had and with with hospital specialties becoming much more of a specialty thing rather than generous we have specialists a lot of information out there and and that's really exposed some quite big gaps in information when we're working in gp surgeries and sorry you've you've had a lot of thoughts about these over the last few months as you've been developing the nesgp's practice information board haven't you yeah
1: and um, so I- I mean, coming up against information gaps has been um, a a frustration um, through all my 15 years, really, as a a, a GP. And... um, I mean, I've even, yes. So I I often get to the end of a of a surgery in a session and think, you know, actually, you know, how much of my my time was sort of preventably lost there, in you know having um, a GP one, you know, the most expensive and precious and scarce resource in in the NHS really, wandering round um, asking looking, silly yeah, questions. Yeah, you know, what's the phone number for this, or who do I have to talk to to this, or where's that form? Um and yeah so so I I have I have identified a few and given them faces and names. I think I've got I've got it down now. I think I'm on five types of information gap at the moment. Just five. Just just the five, yeah. And they've all got Hollywood star names if you're interested in hearing about them. I, I very much am. <laughs> well my f- my first one, my favorite is Keanu. You know Keanu Reeves and he he looks a bit confused, bless him often, especially in the Matrix when he's Neo and it's it's I think of the Keanu is when you're sort of you're you're maybe um uh in a practice and there's a there's a there's a laminated guideline that someone's helpfully stuck on the wall and you look at this and you think oh that's really helpful i might need that later on and it might be um you know uh ha- the, the local guideline for managing inflammatory bowel disease and then you actually when the patient comes in you think bingo i know how to do this brilliant okay and then you look at this bit of paper a bit more and it looks a bit yellow and you think, actually, how long has that been there for? And then you realise it hasn't got a date on it and it hasn't got an author on it. And it's, it's that sort of sense of, is, there's a little bit there, but it, you, you don't quite know how accurate it is or where it's come from. Or, you know, it's the same, same kianu happens when, um, you know, I was in a practice the other day and um, I need to find out about the alcohol and, and drug misuse service. And um, it turned out in, in that area, it was called the Clockwalk. You know who who knew? So everyone was just saying, Oh you can you can look for it. You can find a form, a uh, referral form, on the on the on the shared drive. And I'm looking for alcohol. I'm looking for substance. I'm looking for. I'm look, searching for everything I can uh, think of. And it, well, of course, so how would I guess it was called the Clockwork? You know, of course, I didn't look for that. So that's how it was.
0: It was far yeah, All right. Walk.
1: Okay. So this is a Keanu where you're just sort of slightly mystified. I've got the Kevin Bacon where you're. Um, you, you know, the knowledge is somewhere tucked away in a pocket somewhere in a practice it's in a filing cabinet it's in someone's head it's a phone number on someone's phone and it's there it's tucked away but they haven't sort of put it out there and shared it you have to go through sort of several people you know you get passed around Oh, ask so-and-so they'll know oh no no ask them and so i call it kevin bacon because it's the six degrees of separation you can reach it eventually but it takes an awful lot of digging and pass the parcel before you get there
0: so that information is sort of, being sort of hyper-privileged by, by certain people, and, and it's only in one source. And again, they haven't written it down somewhere. Well, this is it it? And, not
1: and it. going back to what you were saying at the start, Richard, about this being about locums having access to information, I would argue it's actually um, all, all practice staff, really, that they're, they're all a- a- affected by this, you know it's quite striking if if it was just us as locums it means that the first person we ask would know the information we're after and they'd be able to but that's that's not what happens you get you know go and ask that person because they'll know and then they pass you on to someone else so presumably this is this stuff is swirling around the practice and practice staff are having to ask each other and cross-reference and and you know the dream being a platform where they could all crowdsource and share this knowledge and uh, you know a go to place that they could look at without having to uh, interrupt their work to go and ask somebody else to interrupt their work etc etc several times over until the information's located and of course I'm I'm you know I'm putting a a funny spin on it but obviously it's quite frustrating when you're in that situation and I I think I know we did a survey recently with the NASGP where we asked doctors and some of them were partners and some of them were locums we asked them how much time in an average session do you think you spend uh, looking for this you know essential non-clinical information and um, I, I think practice-based staff said it was about 10 to 20 minutes I think the yeah. locums averaged 40, oh, like 40, 45, yeah. 40 minutes per session I, I, I would say that's a minimum for me actually I would say that's a minimum the 40 minutes of looking around and I tell you I tell you what that's not even allowing for the time of the person that you've interrupted to find the information and it also doesn't allow for the Donald Rumsfeld which is the other type of information? Although gap.
0: he's not strictly speaking, he's not Hollywood, is he? He's not. Sorry, he's although not I suppose Hollywood he is sort of Hollywood. If you think about it, no, go on. He's not Hollywood at
1: all. <laughs> but Donald Rumsfeld, he, he, he. Remember, he once famously said, "There are lots of unknown unknowns." So, the information gap is when you make a blueprint, you don't actually know you've done it, and this happened very memorably to me. Um, I was in a practice, actually I frequently was at this practice, so I had a a, a misplaced sense of confidence that I knew the latest on what was going on. And it was all to do with um, referring people for ultrasounds. So I'd um, done a surgery, a couple of patients who needed an ultrasound referral, which I'd done in the usual way, as I had done for the weeks and months before, um, and as is my way, I had a little uh, timer in my calendar to check up on the result a few weeks later. And when I looked at these patients, no no ultrasounds and reports were there. Um, so I dug around, I messaged the, the secretaries, what's happened here? Can we chase up where these people's appointments are? And they sort of, oh dear, so and I don't worry, but what happened was... <laughs> And it turns out the appointment making arrangements for this ultrasound scans had totally changed. Um, instead of sending off the request forms and the patients waiting to hear via post about their appointments, they actually now there was this difference that um, as well as um, uh, sending off the form, you also had to give the patient a phone number to make their own appointment. So this bit of information, it was not written down on any guideline. It had come in apparently uh, on an email to the practice some of the practice staff had seen it others hadn't so again you've got this incomplete sharing of this soft changing intelligence and uh, I w- I was not although I was the locum in the practice I was by no means the only doctor who'd been affected by this you know what email inboxes are like and many of the GPs in the practice also haven't seen it so there was this kind of catch-up of uh, patients having to be traced and phoned and told to book their appointments um, patients phoning in saying, "Where's my appointment?" This whole kind of chaos, which must have—I can't even begin to quantify but, how but long it's taken the practice.
0: This information is really, really important, and I guess everybody just assumed that hey everybody else had received the message and read it and had remembered it, and were in a state of mind at the time of reading such that they wouldn't be able to forget it, and of course. None of that really exists, does it? So it hasn't just. There was no, those emails had never been transferred onto a, a shareable platform where everybody. Indeed. And,
1: yeah. Indeed, indeed, and and um, yeah, it, it's 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 simple. It's simple, but not easy. If you know what I mean. The nature of the information is simple, but it's not easy. So, uh, yeah, that I have other 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 characters that I attach to my information gaps but I think
0: Before you go on to that there was when, when you were talking about this, this wist, wasted time that the, when you were knocking on other GP's doors asking them questions about where such and such was the other thing I was, I was reading about recently the other day is, is, is about when you're interrupted um, when you're having to sort of stop what you're doing and then, um, and, then and then do something else and then stop that, and then go back to what you were doing. And, and the amount of time wasted doing that. If you if you're doing one thing, you spend one hundred percent of your time doing that one thing. But if you're having to do two things, there's a there's a the, the, the time it takes you to transfer from one, doing one thing to the other is called the transformation gap, and that takes away approximately twenty percent of your time. So actually, you are spending forty percent of your time seeing the patient, forty percent of your time resources. Dealing yeah. with with the interruption, and then you've got that big gap, waste gap, and also that sort of fits into with this. If when you're trying to multitask, even with with um uh, um was done on, on Harvard uh, MBA graduates that that them that when they were uh, having to multitask, um, their performance level went down to that of an eight year old. So this of course brings yeah. in risk management and making mistakes. If if the doctors door you knocked and was in the middle of writing a prescription for penicillin and actually then got back and started typing penicillamine or whatever I know that mistake is now difficult to do um but 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 again we we could have made a mistake we could have forgotten something we were just about to tell the patient or or whatever so so this it's not just the waste of time it's the the risk that this um, can can bring in as well oh, that's really interesting but you mentioned you've got some other Hollywood characters
1: here oh gosh who who else who else was well i yeah so 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 often um i i guess i'm i'm a big i'm very attached to i'm very attached i'm very pleased that that you've got these locally local sources of of uh, information you know the ccg websites i'm i'm really i really love those but there are times when they, they, they stop very much way short of the of the practice front door, let alone the consultation room. And the big my favourite one, uh so I call this a Steve McQueen because you know the end of the great escape where he's nearly there, he's nearly got out and he's on his motorbike and he's heading towards that fence, and you you know, you found this CCG guideline, you think this is going to solve all your problems, and then it it comes out with an absolute beauty, it says something like, um, Oh, let me think you know i told you about my dvt person oh, the yes. ambulatory care guidelines you know big big drive dvts let's let's kind of try and manage this in general practice a bit more or at least stratify risk a bit more in general practice so the dvt guidelines ccg website i'm i know where, exactly where it is i'm really pleased with myself i'm thinking i'm going to whiz through this and then it says do a d-dimer test and this totally undid me because I'm in a practice where I don't know whether they've got a near patient testing kit I don't know whether they're using the lab Um, where do I begin how do I actually enact this what's the follow-up process for this patient who I might have to be sending a blood test off for Um, three members of staff and a GP interrupted on that one Uh, all all practice staff undone by the fact that the box that they did actually have a near patient d-dimer testing kit but nobody knew where it was you know a real real shame a real shame but also you've the
0: got the, the relative or, you know, the, 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 um, a the patient with a deep vein thrombosis—you've you've got you've got a, a, time, a countdown time again, haven't you? There's a—it's not critically urgent, but you want to get that test done, mm. um, and because you need to then dispense the heparin, um, where, if you if yeah. you know where that is, and that's again okay. a whole another load of pain to go through. Um, so, so, so time critical factors like this, and of course, wasting patient time, and then yeah. delaying diagnosis, yeah. delaying management
1: and i think I, I and i think you know having an experience like that it, it's it's almost it, it's it's going to happen sometime but it would be great having had that uh, learning uh if if you could record it for future and and this came up with my last my last uh, hollywood face my judy garland which is the over the rainbow thing which is where actually nobody quite seems to know what what the, what the situation is and they sort of fudge it and you tend to get this with you more perhaps unusual and therefore challenging admissions and most most memorably recently was an eight-year-old boy uh with a suspected testicular torsion and um again you know handed around get, getting through the hospital switchboard to an on-call uh Doctor is is hard enough, um, but then to be as you you know passed between different specialties. Oh no, general surgery. No, it's not me. It's neurology. No, no, sorry, neurology. It's it's the paediatricians. You know, get being handed round with nobody really seeming to know what the protocol is was kind of sense quite frustrating. But you know, lessons were learnt, and and as it was happening, I kept thinking, I can't be the first doctor ever, the first GP that's ever had to refer a patient into this hospital. In this practice, with this condition, there must be some pathway. There must be somewhere that this has happened before, that this could be recorded. And so, a, a, a
0: basis, so, somewhere for you, as as the locum there that day, that you went through this very painful process. But for, for Christ's sake, testicular torsion. Mm. time. The, when
1: the, you said time critical, that I thought of that uh, actually, because that one really has got a, a clock ticking. And you've got
0: it. you've got a got a little child in, and lots of pain. You've got yeah. very anxious parents. And 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 but 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 having learnt that that information got the kid off to hospital, so so you have nowhere to 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 share that learnt information know, for know, the know, next know, and the yeah. next part of the partners yeah. to learn. From. Yeah,
1: yeah, this this is it, this is it, and uh, you know m- managing I- information like this, you know, how can we bring all these different sort of streams, these different formats, these different inputs. How can we bring them all efficiently uh, into the consultation room with us and keep them up to date or, or have a mechanism to update them ourselves if we find they're out of date or if we have, you know, a painful learning experience like that? You know, 40 minutes trying to do an admission with, <laughs> with a you know, waiting room full of angry patients. And which,
0: of course, is why we've, we've created the uh, standardized practice information portal, NASGP SPIP.
1: Well, that's what we were coming on to, isn't it? Yes, it, it, it is. It is precisely from these, um, you know, years of uh, experience of hitting these information gaps and uh, uh, feeling this sense that we, you know, going up and asking people information and, and finding that they've got it somewhere, and or, or somebody somewhere knows, and can we not just record that, and can we not just bring that into the consultation room with us? Yeah, yeah. This is,
0: if you're if you're listening to this, and, and, um, and you, you've got a sign in. To the NESGP website. If you just sign in to the NESGP website, where it's not sign in, you've got um, you can go in there and you can invite any practice that you work in, as many practices as you want. You just type in the practice manager's email address, um, and you can type in a whole load and, and and invite a practice, invite those practices to sign up to these standardized practice information portals. And the best news is they're free. Yeah. You, Practices do not have to pay a penny. Sure, there is a potential payment option if a CCG's got a whole load of practices that that the CCG wants to sort of preload Its guidelines um, from up high, so the CCG can then the practice, sorry, can then pull these down Mm. and then then tailor them locally. But they don't have to do that at all. It's there, ready to go. We're doing some updates with our, aren't we? I
1: I was going to say there's three. I think there's three good news things about about um, SPIP. Um, The first is that it answers the direct comment that i've had from practices you know i mentioned before the practice where um they said and i have had this voice chiming in my ear as we've been thinking about spit we don't know what you need to know so the good news for the for the practices is we we ask the the input side that the practice puts the information into um it asks to daft questions you know asks questions from the point of first person first um, person voice asking how do i do this how do i do that and they're encouraged to add very basic information as if they were explaining it to a total child you know to a total new member of staff and it comes from all these questions and information gaps that we as as clinicians sitting in those consulting rooms have had so that's the first bit of good news the second bit of good news is that because primary care is large and complex, spiff is large and complex, but there is um, from your point of view in the practice point of view a low compact module within it oh, yeah. which is sort of skimming off the uh, the sort if you like the, the most commonly commonly used things or, or perhaps the safety critical things so that that's a, a lot less of an endeavor for the practice to fill in but will give you a really good flying start uh when you're arriving at practices oh, and is actually a new thing, isn't it, the isn't locum it? pack is a new module um i mean it's actually b- culled mm. from information that's already in SPiP. it's just bringing it all into one area so it's easier for you um and the practice for, for locums and the practices to uh, input and access and the third really good bit about um spiff is that we you know we realize it's a lot of information it doesn't you know, obviously it's not like a bit of homework it doesn't all have to be filled in at, at, at once it's s- certainly for the judy garlands of this world where it's going to be infrequent challenging things it's just there as a shelf. You don't have to complete it, but you can add things on the go as you come across them. But the, the other bit of help, the other massive bit of help that um, practices can have in completing it is that there is a network function. So the the database that sits behind SPIP is called QDOS it stands for centrally updatable directory of services and practices can kind of club together or they can talk to their ccgs or whoever their providers people who might be have information that they want to access
0: federations federations
1: hubs hospitals providers whatever and um uh uh, uh, these 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 network organizations can fill out the database their kudos and practices can access it from their SPIP and pull it through and display it in their SPIP but crucially, just like my DVT guideline, rather than it just being a guideline, the practice can actually add practice specific information that's really going to make that guideline or pathway work in their specific practice circumstances so you kind of get the best of both worlds, you get masses of help with the practice completing it, but the practice also get to tailor and edit it to their needs for their staff members, so um, we hope that, you know, if it's saving you, if it's saving individuals multiple little pa- packets of a few minutes here and there every day, if it's saving you, as it would save me, a good two hours a day, I think, uh, and a and knock-on effect uh, for saving practice staff costs and staff time Risk and lack of interruption, we just hope that that could be really helpful really and worthwhile. imagine that across the country and imagine yes. that across the profession all those little little packets of minutes being saved and uh that could help yeah. get you home on time so <laughs> so please
0: do please do log in uh to the website um and if you're not already a member you can start as an associate member for free and and as, as and, and as uh, us as gps we've all got free access. You don't have to be a full NESGP member, you can be a free associate NESGP member and that will give you free, a lifelong login. Um, and if you actually want to help your practice or practices update the spit for them the practice manager can enable you as an editor so you can add stuff or there's plenty of message sharing areas um sort of help crowdsource it so but so please do so sarah thank you ever so much for that that was really yeah, interesting okay. and um look forward to our next podcast thank and if you.
1: anybody uh, gets any more um, information gaps or hollywood stars that they want to add to the catalogue then uh, let us know
0: i was thinking maybe a george clooney
1: oh <laughs>